0: Welcome to the Pelvic Pulse Podcast, where formally off-the-table topics take center stage so you can feel comfortable, confident, and free in your body. This podcast was born out of the desire to share the intimate and necessary conversations about one of the most ignored, abused, and suppressed areas of our bodies, our pelvises. Not sure where that is? Let's put a finger on it, shall we? I'm your host, Brittany Ellers, holistic pelvic physical therapist, womb worker, and educational speaker and advocate for all things pelvic health. My hope for this show is that it enlivens listeners like you to take steps towards healing your own relationship with your pelvic space holistically for fuller embodiment and a more loving human experience. So when you're ready, let's take a deep breath and dive right in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pelvic Pulse Podcast. I have a special episode for you today. I'm Brittany, and I'm sitting here with my friend Jordan, who we're going to have a little dialogue today about (laughs) some really cool topics, um, more personal topics, blended maybe with a little professional um, from my perspective. Yeah. So, okay, Jordan, why don't you tell us what's been on your mind lately
1: (laughs) and we'll just dive right in. Yeah, let's dive right in. Hi, my name is Jordan. Um, I um, professionally am a scientist um, in the biological sphere, but um, have been questioning so much how to meld my spiritual self, maybe my religious self. That term is kind of funky, but um that with my sexual self and how does for me being raised in a religious household there was a lot of shame and guilt associated with sexuality being sexual um and exploring your sexuality um it was either not talked about or when it was talked about it was like you just don't do it and then when you're married it's like okay now you're married now you have to do all the time or you know your husband's not going to love you or that Mm. obviously that's not true but so it's like how do how do you one get over the shame but how do you also explore your sexuality empower yourself sexually but feel like you're maintaining your spiritual self.
2: Hot question
1: right out the <laughs> gate. <laughs> Super loaded I know. but there's no right answer right? I don't know. No,
0: no. There I don't think there's a right answer yeah. and I think it all can be we can parse it out a little bit. Let's let's kind of simplify first, like, because what does it mean to be spiritual and what does it mean to even be sexual? Because yeah. that can mean so many so different, many different things. things. Yeah. And I guess because I'm like you, I grew up in a religious household. And it's funny, I have to actually listen back to past podcasts. And I don't know if I've ever said I had religious trauma,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, but definitely had religious conditioning. Mm-hmm definitely had some quote-unquote rules to follow or else right there was always that like underlining message that something bad could happen
1: if you love god then you won't do this you Mm -hmm. won't have sex you won't think about sex at all it's like but
2: but i do love god
1: (laughs) right right and you know what
0: god god made you and he made you with pleasurable points Yes. He wants you to experience pleasure. He wants you to experience bliss, right? And that could be in the form of an orgasm, um, and being in sexual union with someone else. Um, so I guess I can I can share a little bit more about my story. And I can't remember also if I shared this in my uh, personal, professional, passionate episode, the first episode of this podcast, um, but. Like I said, I was raised with religious conditioning as well as, I think, cultural conditioning. Mm. So also similar to you, my mom was raised Buddhist.
2: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah,
0: because okay. she's Cambodian. Yeah. So Asian culture, uh, grew up in Cambodia and was the oldest of five. She has two sisters and now one living brother, but had two brothers. And um, yeah, my grandma raised her and... Um, the rest of the kids, all Buddhist,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, was very devout, like to the point where when she actually got the kids across the border, like leaving the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia and they escaped uh the communists there, she shaved all their heads mm. in praise to Buddha,
2: yeah,
0: um, for keeping them safe, keep keeping them alive. And my grandma had only ever had sex with her husband, who passed away from the communist. Mm-hmm. And never took on another lover, another partner. Single to this day.
2: <laughs> and she, her out there I know, no, no. She is.
0: <laughs> no. Oh my gosh, she would kill me. That's so funny. No, she's like, I mean, when I ask her about it actually, because I have, um, out of curiosity, like yeah. This, yeah, genuine curiosity, like, why haven't you? Like, you didn't want to and uh she always just said that she loved her husband mm. and he was a fantastic husband and she didn't want to replace him not that anyone like would but yeah she didn't want to have any other experiences and felt complete satisfied. yes so my mom growing up with that kind of imagery and that kind of like relationship model um she actually saved herself for marriage and I think it was, (laughs) I broke out in hives when they found out that I wasn't, um, a virgin virgin. anymore. And I mean, it was a funny story kind of now looking back at how they found out it was like a Planned Parenthood charge on my (laughs) credit card (laughs) when I was in college, but I like legit broke out in hives from shame. Yeah. 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 And then when my mom poked at me about it, um, she just wanted to know all these questions, like she had all these questions about it, like who I was doing it with and everything. And I, um, I kept that secret. I've never to this day told her who it was, even though he doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's, um, just something I'm like <laughs> keeping close like, to at the
2: Just One point. We'll <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but at least they knew I was like safe. I was trying to take care of myself. And at that point I didn't know any better about hormonal birth control, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> And I, I continued to have sex, but I think underneath it, the people I was choosing at the time weren't, weren't after my best interests, I think. And I didn't experience any like pain with it, but definitely there were certain like sexual experiences with some partners in college where I was like, Oh, that's not going in me. Or like, I, I didn't orgasm the first time or the second time or the third time I had sex. It was like, Years later, years, almost a decade later, that I actually had an orgasm makes sense. And to me, that actually was linked to my shame.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. I can I empathize
0: right. And I think like for a lot of people, if if you're a man and you can't ejaculate or you can't get an erection, it's like maybe there's a blood flow issue. Likely. But also, maybe it's psychological. Yeah. And I think for a lot of women, it ends up being psychological and not a blood flow issue. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, it was really interesting. And so the partner that I actually ended up having my first orgasm with, I mean, number one, I had to be on something. I was mm-hmm. either drunk or high uh, when I smoked at the time. I don't really, I don't smoke at all anymore. And I don't really drink a lot, um, like a one drink a week kind of gal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was interesting that I had to numb myself out to kind of release any extra layers, including the like conscious awareness, like, oh my God, I'm having sex. Am I making myself dirty, unworthy, Mm -hmm. unvirtuous? Is that a word? (laughs) (laughs) Like
2: what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it was at that point too, that my brother actually told me, I remember this so vividly, I was in my car in Encinitas um parked and I was talking on the phone with him. Uh and he was sharing that he was about to propose to his girlfriend who's now his wife, who mm-hmm. I mean, I love them both so dearly. And that conversation, not that he meant for it to be like this. He was just honestly sharing where he was at yeah. and what he what he did, you know, think about the partner that I had. Um he like highlighted some things that I think I knew deep down Mm -hmm. like this partner wasn't exactly what I would want Mm -hmm. for a long-term or husband Mm -hmm. um and I remember feeling that shame and Mm -hmm. also just questioning because at that point I was like this was my thought process I was like well I already know that we can have great sex I already know that yeah so like what does a relationship look like without it
2: without it yeah
0: because at that point too I think I was in a very anxious attachment Mm -hmm. style Mm -hmm. and I in an unembodied way unconscious way really used like weaponized my sexuality um before Mm -hmm. and was trying to like lure him in each time like you know tantalizing him <laughs> and you know just manipulative mm-hmm. um which isn't fair and it's not fair to use even sex as a punishment no unless it's consensual unless it's fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, um I this was a conscious ask I was like well what would it look like if we didn't have sex like can we take a pause on this for a little while and um I I He was actually really supportive.
2: Mm,
0: Okay. Surprisingly. Yeah. And what happened? So what happened was I got in my head again and I got Mm. anxious about him potentially not loving me and kind of gave into quote unquote, gave into having sex again because I was using it. I don't, I don't think he was even doing anything differently looking back. I think I was just so heady about Mm. it and so self-conscious of, where our relationship really stood mm-hmm. and that was like definitely a time where I was just like texting him all the time seeing if we could hang out and if he didn't make plans with me my I would so butthurt yeah and yeah then like
1: then you're like flirty flirty like you want to hang out with me so that we can have sex
0: <laughs> exactly yeah. like come over and check out my new bed like
1: yeah. so <laughs> <That was> stupid
0: <laughs> oh man I laugh at my younger self <laughs> no, she, she just did the best that she could at the time. Um, so interestingly enough though, right? Like after that, I was kind of like still wild child with my sexuality after we broke up. Um, actually there was a slight pause there where I was going back to church and started dating a guy and then started thinking, okay, maybe we'll save ourselves for marriage now. Um, but he ended up not being the guy obviously. And then after that, I was like, Okay, all horn dog yeah. on someone else, yeah. and um, and then I met James, mm-hmm. summer twenty twenty,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: COVID. Huh? COVID time. COVID time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met in pottery class, mm-hmm. yeah, like mm-hmm. underground pottery class, and <laughs> we. <laughs> 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 this is so good. Uh, I forget where my head stood at this point in regards to like my spirituality and sexuality. But I think at that point I felt pretty free. Mm -hmm. I was really confident in my body knowledge. I knew a lot at that point about my menstrual cycle and when I was fertile, when I wasn't fertile, like when I could be safe and when I could be kind of like free, Mm -hmm. Um, what I liked, what I didn't like, Mm -hmm. you know. And I could orgasm on my own. So it was, it just felt like less pressure, I think. Yeah. And the tension had been building all through the summer until we had like our first date in October. And we, um, we had sex kind of like the first night that we were out together. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we continued to date and then, but even from the first time that we had sex, like we were just together, you know? Um, we did have those conversations and over time, like definitely built into love. He, I think he told me he loved me for the first time New Year's Eve. So it wasn't like that oh, long, a just after. a few months. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, looking back, that's kind of quick, huh? Yeah. It's
1: good though. Like, it you is know. Good. You know. Yeah. It
0: is. Yeah. And yeah. it felt so right. And then just from a, okay, so here's where my spirituality also kind of ties in because to me, it, it's a lot of energetics mm-hmm. and it's a lot of like. Angels will show you things. Your spirit guides will show you things. And yes, I believe in God and I'll call it all the other things too. But let's just call it spirit guides or angels for now. Um, I talked to an energy reader that summer prior to meeting him. And it was it was interesting because she I I asked her about partners Mm -hmm. and I was like, Well, like what does he look like? What should I be looking for? Um, should I be on the apps? (laughs) should be swipe in? yeah we just swipe <laughs> I mean I was I was that summer um and nothing ever turned out obviously yeah. but it was cool she actually one big piece of advice that she gave me that I think anyone could really use if you are single and using the apps is if you utilize the apps as a catalog mm. and show the universe what it is that you want don't mm. settle cuz yeah. you're not hurting anyone's feelings by not swiping on them. They don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I started using it as a catalog, but she told me to look out for certain things. Like I would meet him through mutual friends, which we did. Uh, she said that he would have horse energy, huh. which he does. <laughs> <laughs> like so, so many two like a couple things I guess yeah. I could share with that. Like one of the first times I went over to his apartment, we were like talking and I was talking about my teeth, which is so funny. Cause if you don't know my teeth story, go listen to Carrie's episode and go listen to Dr. Sharon's episode about your mouth and jaw and dentistry. And yeah. Um, I told him I fractured my teeth and he I was like, I'm self-conscious of them a little bit. And he was like, Oh, I'm self-conscious of my teeth. I've got big old horse teeth. I died. I and in that moment, I was like, oh my click, God. Click, click, click. Mm-hmm. Yeah and there were a couple other moments and even like right now the fact that his shop is on a ranch just like there are horses all around um so it kind of just that's so funny hangs there yeah, yeah. i've written down all the other instances yeah. to keep track um but yeah it was just like okay universe is showing him to me he's here this is who i want to be with and yeah. it was all confirmation yeah and i think the fact that we were in love helped a lot yeah with the sexuality stuff and it's funny because a lot of stuff like you asked me off air um about like how my family views my work and yeah how to kind of bridge that gap like is it bridged kind of a thing Mm -hmm. um and I feel like a lot of stuff has changed like I've been able to like with this kind of like embodied wisdom I guess and just over time with the experience and then practicing boundaries, practicing, asking for what I need, and also just negotiating.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Talking to my parents, they would have never let us sleep in the same bed.
2: At their house. At their house. Yeah.
0: But it was interesting, right? Like over time, obviously James won them over and they love him. My mom calls him son. So does my dad. <laughs> but <laughs> um, it's just interesting because... I've been able to tell them, you know, like I can respect your wishes and I won't have sex under your roof.
1: Yeah. Even though you're in your 30s, but that's okay.
0: Right. (laughs) I But like, I get it. Like, okay. Like that doesn't feel good to you. I can absolutely respect that. And I can do that truthfully without feeling like I'm putting myself away. You know what I mean? Because yeah, if they let me sleep with him, that's all I really want. Yeah. And actually, from something I learned in a recent podcast, that helps your resilience. And yes, yeah. it actually gives you more quality sleep when you are co-sleeping.
1: Absolutely. I 100% agree with this. This is getting completely off topic, but I travel a lot for work and I have a very hard time sleeping in hotels, one, because it's a hotel, the two, because I'm not next to my husband because um, he helps me fall asleep. Like he Just having somebody there next to you is a bit just so nice. I'm in the comfort of that. So I can attest. Yeah. 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 And when I am in my own bed, he was traveling this past weekend. I was like, up until 2 a.m. Just like, okay, I can fall asleep anytime. (laughs) Mm,
0: It's almost like you need the heat. You need the weight. Like that all feels so So different. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously their energy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was cool to see my parents even become a little bit more flexible knowing that I respect their wishes while also getting just genuinely what it is that I want Mm -hmm. but kind of coming back to maybe like um back to like shame from religious stuff and sexuality for me this is a personal thing and I don't know if it's true for everyone because and we can go down a whole rabbit hole chat about feminism (laughs) and what that really looks like (laughs) Um, cause that's had obviously so many different waves, but for me, I feel like my shame was dissolved by love,
1: mm. by his love or by his love, love of, yourself
0: love of myself, me feeling God's presence mm-hmm. or like spirit's presence when we are in the act of lovemaking. Yeah. And I think that's also another thing. I mean, obviously banging, having sex, fucking like all of <laughs> that can be really great. And yeah. it feels really good. Yeah. And also having space for the love making that's really just sensual and mm-hmm. deep, so erotic, like getting and tapping into your desires. That's just a different flavor than I have ever experienced mm-hmm. that I think I can't, I can't, I can't not think about that.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I love that. I feel like, um, Okay. So you gave me your story, right? And so my story is similar, but a little different in that, yes, my mom was raised Buddhist by a strong sexual woman. My grandmother is like a fierce, she was a super fierce energy. Um, You know, never not had a red lip on, um, just like lived in her feminine power, pussy power, if you will. Um, And uh, my mom lived in that too, up until she was pregnant with me, she converted to Christianity, um, and for a litany of reasons, but she then joined the church where they told her, like, you can't have sex, like you, you, you outside of marriage, if you do, you're not virtuous. That's like a huge sin. And so that was the first time she associated guilt and shame with sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, and for her, it was such a huge blow that when she had me as a young girl, she didn't want me to feel that same, shame of um being promiscuous and then realize you know having the shame of promiscuity if that makes sense um so she you know raised me with good intentions and she was not ne- she she was never like not talking to me about sex like if I ever asked her about I remember this really clearly one day when I was like probably eight or nine and there was like a 69 symbol on the back of somebody's car and I knew it was sexual but I didn't know like what it meant and so I like asked my mom like what is 69 and she like just clearly was like oh it's you know oral sex like the man the woman she she never hid anything from me she was like always very open Mm -hmm. but she also was just like do not have sex before you're married like you could get pregnant you know you don't want to ruin your future it's not in God's will like save yourself for the, the person you're in a love like that it's a gift to give to them oh I... yeah yeah <laughs> so all of these things that it's like she had the right intention she wasn't trying to like shame me or guilt me she she never made sex seem bad the church did mm-hmm. um and as you said I was very much so conditioned by the church because of what I didn't mention is that my mom worked for the church um for like 10 years of our life so mm-hmm. maybe five days a week I was at church she was at church at full time. She worked for the church full time. So I was at church all the time. So I was not only raised by her, but I was like raised by the church where it's like, oh, you're you're not wearing stockings, you're going to hell. That kind of thing. You're wearing makeup, oh, you're a hussy. You know, like just ridiculous. And stuff. where was this? Just, In Los Angeles, California. Okay. that's where I was born and raised. Um and so there's a lot of conditioning. I really like that word. I don't know if it was trauma, but it was definitely conditioning. Um, And so I simply did not have sex. I did a lot of other things. I was very sexual. I did a lot of like, oh, there's boobs in that book. That's like about mothers, whatever, you know. And like, I would secretly look at pornos at my yeah family's house totally like I was a human being I was a teenager I as a young adult I was super interested in sex and I think the taboo of it made it even more like enticing for sure um and I've always wanted to be like a sexual minx I am very nerdy uh so it was not it's not in my repertoire but <laughs> yes um, <it> is. <laughs> um but yeah so I've always really been intrigued by it and I've also just re- been really like confused by why it is such a bad thing So in the church, so I get, and we kind of talked about this off air a little bit, but I get like why, you know, murder is bad. I get why stealing is bad. I get why, you know, whatever it is, all all the 10 commandments, if you will, I get why those are bad, but I never understood like why sexuality was bad. The other things harm you or harm your community or harm your neighbor. But like, what is the harm of sexuality or what is the harm of pleasure obviously there's pleasure where you're harming somebody else for your own pleasure. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like intentional sexuality, making love, like you were saying, a spiritual experience that, um, like what, what, where's the, where's the con to something like that? If done in an intentional way, um, is my, has been a question I've always had. So anyways, I did not have sex until I was with my husband. So I was, uh, we weren't married at the time, but we were like three years into our relationship. So I had multiple long-term relationships before that, like two year relation 2 two year long relationships before that, where sex was just not in the equation. But I like, even looking back, I appreciate that I didn't have sex because there's a lot of weeding out, right? There's a lot of like dating somebody and that dating is a loose term because me mm-hmm. and my husband have been together since college, but like meeting somebody and then you'd be like oh yeah just you know like I'm a virgin I won't have sex and then they never talk to you again and so there's a good weeding out like I'm I'm appreciative of that um and I'm appreciative of the guys who stayed with me for two years without us having sex I have no idea if they were having sex with other people perhaps they were but um and I'm appreciative of my now husband who waited to have sex with me for a long time uh before we actually did um and then we got we got and then we moved in together and got married and the rest is history but uh I, I really bought into it. I really bought into the fact that like, I would be, I would let God down. I wouldn't have a successful future. Like I wouldn't get, I wouldn't go far in life if I had had sex. And that is just like, I don't understand looking back as a, an older adult. It's one of those things where I still am very much so confused by why that is so important. Like, so what if I had had sex beforehand? Right what why, god if we're gonna go if we're gonna talk about god if we're gonna talk about religion it's like he loves you for you before you were even born he knew who you were and died on the cross for you before he, all the sins that everyone's gonna commit all the time so why would we think why would we feel shame about anything about who we are because he loves us wholly and entirely um so to 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 veer away from the sexual conversation, in general, shame and guilt should just not be a part of the psyche, but it is very much so a part of the psyche, I think, especially for women. Um, so anyways, yeah, it's just a question I've always had. It's something that I'm trying to actively work through with a therapist, with sexual books and guidance and practices and yoni circles and women's circles and all of mm-hmm. these things, because once I did get married, sex was hard. Like. Having sex in a space that it was allowed was hard because it was so not allowed for so long.
0: So in what way was it hard? Was it hard to like get in the mood? Was it hard to be naked? Was it hard to actually let him enter you? Like what was hard?
1: I don't know. I love being naked. That part is easy, but <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah. Um, I think just like, you know how you're saying like being you allowing yourself to kind of like let go and be in the zone and like be spiritual and sensual and intentional with your sex it has taken me i've I've, the last few years have been a a real journey for me sexually and i think i'm getting to that place if i'm not there already but um before it was still very much so like i have to do it it felt out of my control like my sexuality never felt like i was in control of it so even when i was married don't get me wrong i loved having sex with my husband even before we were married but it was more of the like well even if I don't really want to have sex tonight I should because otherwise he's gonna leave me or Mm -hmm. um you know it was always like well now that I'm married we need to have sex all the time or it just it it wasn't that it was hard in that it was always hard it was just that there were some moments where it felt very much so like I couldn't have sex before now I need to somehow be turned on all the time and my husband's sex drive is like through the roof high and mine at the time was like, not so much. So like feeling like having to have sex all the time was hard. Like I, how do I turn myself on? Like forcing myself to get turned on. Um, when I was forcing myself to be turned off for so long.
0: Right. Okay. So have you ever read come as you are? No, but
1: <gasps> I miss my audible.
0: Okay. <laughs> this will, this will break through the chains. Um, So the whole concept in her book, one of the concepts I should say that really spoke to me because I read that during the beginning parts of mine and James's relationship too, because Mm -hmm. even though I also was so attracted to him, so in love with him, I wanted to match his sex drive, but also I just didn't have language even for like what the fuck was going on Mm -hmm. in my brain about it and why I couldn't orgasm every time, which obviously, okay, so two notes um, on that. Uh, When we start to get goal-oriented, when we start to feel Mm -hmm. pressure, immediately things turn up. Yeah. Okay. So in the book, she talks about like brakes and accelerators. Mm. And Mm,
1: I've heard this. Okay.
0: It's like a dual operating system.
1: Let's talk more about it. Let's dive. Yes.
0: Yes. And so I'd say, think about all the brakes in your life and what was happening while you were younger. And I can reflect back on that too. I put on the brakes as well for fear of shame from my parents, for fear of like, obviously not being loved by my parents because that Ugh. was higher than like being loved by some other guy Yeah, and also just being welcomed into heaven at one point <laughs> yeah, and yeah, not exactly. being
2: punished sort of silly, but yes. and taken
0: down into yeah. hell. Um, So there were all those breaks. Plus in the moment, right? It's like, well, I have this on my mind. Like I have this assignment due because I think at that point it was like, I was in grad school. Things was were really in grad hard. school too, yeah, exactly. Okay. So you just have a lot on your plate and you have a lot of the brakes on. And for, I think most women, there's just such a, um, and it doesn't need to be equal all the time, but it's just not fair how much we end up taking on sometimes. Um, and maybe it's just because we're not aware of even what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you do, realize how much you're actually handling it's like well can you take some of this and then maybe I'll actually feel better about it right and I'll be able to open myself up and like my mind can let go and I forget also if I mentioned this on another podcast but for me sex and especially like having an orgasm right Mm -hmm. was a lot like surfing so okay if I thought like okay I want to go out and surf today I needed to give myself 3 hours, like a 3 hour window, right? Because you need to get turned on, yeah. you need to have the space to have the orgasm yeah. and then you need to get cleaned up and shower and do everything and get ready for the day. Like, I mean, I love a good morning session in the water as well as in the bed, <laughs> but it just like is a lot, especially That's if hot. I'm trying to start my day at 9:30, have a breakfast, all the things. It's like, do I really need to wake up at 5:30 to have sex? No. But also, yeah, for me like surfing is difficult sometimes and catching a wave catching an orgasm is challenging and when that becomes the goal and it's not about being present and not about having fun then it's just the carrot's gone Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't it's just not attainable so for me breaks learning to take the breaks off for myself Mm -hmm. and letting James know hey can you help me relieve some of this pressure and tension? yeah 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 then it's like okay well what's going to accelerate you yeah and is that the fact that you are showered, like some people feel weird about not being quote unquote clean, yeah. um, or being stinky or being hairy and not being well shaved or groomed or whatever? Um, maybe it's uh you know, you we like have to a be child
1: too. So that there's, well,
0: that's another
2: break. That's a whole number
1: <laughs> break. Yeah. But <laughs>
0: Okay, if you're loving this episode as much as I am, I want to invite you into the Slope series. This is a series of six life-changing workshops to help you embody the most secure, loving, open, and confident woman that you can be. The topics of discussion are sacred anatomy and physiology. We'll dive into your anatomy, your physiology, the sexy cycles and seasons of your life and how to embody that. We'll be diving even more deeply into loving your lineage and your birth story and any birth stories that you have experienced if you've had children we'll also be talking about bathroom basics because this is an important aspect of our life and our livelihood we'll also talk about sexuality and spirituality especially in terms of overcoming pain and shame and then we'll be speaking about becoming a mother moving out of the maiden phase of our lives and really embodying what motherhood can look like in honoring the preconception and the postpartum and This is all important information I wish every woman knew and could implement into their lives in their own unique way. We'll not just be talking about these practices, but actually putting them into play and seeing what rituals and practices work for you. I do know that many of you listening know about some of these things that we'll be working through, so I did make it possible so that if there was one topic that truly piqued your interest, you can sign up for the workshop a la carte. The weekly workshops are live on various days, and you will receive recordings to keep your for life when you sign up. We begin October 13th and end on November 16th, and I hope you decide to join for the whole series, especially because when you do, you'll receive a few other guided practices, including Wands 101 and Yoni Eggs 101 and the cheat sheets for cycle syncing so that you can implement this stuff into your life. Head to the link in the show notes for more information for the series schedule and to register for the workshops a la carte or the whole slope series. I'm really looking forward to seeing you in there. And now back to the episode.
1: Yeah. So I I completely agree. I mean, I was also in grad school at the time, which is just a whole nother level of stress and I think, I, but I think it, for me, it was, it was the, the breaks came before in my own pressure on myself of like, okay, we're, this is the time we're about to have sex. Okay. Get turned on as turned on as you possibly can. And that never, never works. Right. It's like trying to tell yourself, like, don't think about an elephant because all you're going to think about is an elephant. So like, <laughs> when you say like, get turned on, you're never going to be turned on. Right. Like, I don't know. It was just so hard to like, just naturally feel ready all the time there were moments Mm -hmm. for sure but it's just I don't know it just felt so hard um and I think what I needed and what what my dog is
0: snoring by the (laughs) way I don't know if anyone can hear but uh
1: but what my husband gave me permission to do which I'm so grateful for him and his patience (laughs) over the last we just had to celebrate our seven-year wedding anniversary last Mm -hmm. week but um what he gave me permission to do was take control of my sexuality Mm -hmm. and like that through a number of different ways i'm not going to get into on uh, this podcast but Mm -hmm. um he that allowance for me to say hey i can experience my sexuality i'm going to cry because it's so powerful but like i can experience my sexuality how i want um really allowed one huge break to be lifted which was I needed to experience sexuality through the lens of somebody else or through a religion or through, like, I think I found my spirituality, my connection with God, um, has always been very strong and I never needed anybody else to tell me like how I feel about my God and my connection with, you know, the higher power, the angels, the guiders, whatever we want to call them. But, um. I think I needed to have that conversation with God and have the per- somebody give me the permission to like question it and like ask him, like, is this okay? Like, what is wrong with this? Like have these questions for myself and get his answer back to me. And so I can feel um, safe in my own sexuality. And I think I just needed somebody who, where my sexuality mattered to them, like my husband, give me the permission to ask those questions and figure out, my own connection with God and sexuality for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been like the last two or three years of my sexual journey, but it's been a huge shift. The fact that I'm even talking about sex on a <laughs> podcast right now. Um, the fact that I just admitted to the world that I had sex with my husband before we were married is like a big freaking deal.
0: And you know what? I want to honor that. <laughs> I really do because yeah. it isn't easy. I think when you grew up, when you grow up the way that we grow up, what, how do I don't even say that?
1: Yeah. You know what Conditioned I mean. to the way we were. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> it,
1: it's really freaking hard. It can be really hard. It's really hard. <laughs> and like, I'm just now. So one of the questions I asked you was like, how do you meld your current like public, company with your upbringing and with your family Mm -hmm. and like when uh, when I started therapy a few years ago specifically for getting over sexual guilt and shame that was the goal of therapy Mm -hmm. um she said you need to have a conversation with your mom and just like talk to her about it because it's not that my mom like you said it's like they're not trying to do anything wrong they're just trying to raise you the best they can and my mom did an amazing job and I I honestly think it's more the church uh than my mom my mom's like the best mom but I'm biased um but uh I had the conversation with my mom and she I was like moved by how moved she was because she was she started crying and she's like I never wanted that for you like I never wanted you to have an unhealthy relationship with sex and shame and like We had a very long conversation, like, and then a year and a half later where I had completely moved on from the conversation. She like came to me crying and she was like, I bought you this book um, about like, it's called Afrosexology and like how to pleasure yourself. And I was like, oh, "Ah!" and I have a question for you, actually
0: kind of circling back. Yeah. Were you masturbating at the time? Like having any kind of solo play?
2: Oh, no,
1: absolutely. Okay. Okay. I just want, but I felt a lot of guilt and shame around it, but since I, since I was, since I can remember, I have always masked, like, even, like, three years old, like, it's young.
0: people don't realize, I didn't know
1: what it was, but I for sure. distinctly remember being, like, in a public, like, in preschool, like, on the mats, like, where it's, like, nap time, like, squeezing my legs together, and, like, for sure, like, I didn't know, I didn't know what it was, but, yeah, that, that is something I've definitely felt guilt and shame over, but, far less guilt and shame than like actual sex I was like well at least I'm not actually having sex but anyways Mm -hmm.
0: well I think that's um, where like so the languaging actually is super important with that it's like are you getting caught like mm, caught in the act like getting caught has like a certain connotation to it right and it depends totally on like what the person who witnesses you feels about it and their uncomfortability Oh, my gosh. If you haven't seen Big Mouth, if anyone's like a Big Mouth oh, I, fan. I hear
1: it's hilarious. It's
0: so freaking funny. I I mean, I would binge that, that show again. And it's cartoon, but obviously for adults. Oh. And they go through all of these puberty questions and all these sexuality questions from the lens of a... Like seventh grader boy and all his friends who include girls and everything like that and part of one of the character stories is like having um or masturbating and having an orgasm in the gym like for the school sleepover or something like that in front of everyone and everyone catches her and there's like a shame wizard and it's just so freaking accurate but oh my goodness you you just like hit a bunch of nails that I wanted to come back to and Kind of going into like how hard it can be for someone who has had a lot of religious conditioning. A lot of people are actually, actually experiencing vaginismus because of mm. it and pelvic floor tightness. Oh, I, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. And not even knowing how to release. There are plenty of shows and movies that kind of show you that, Um, but also within the office that I work in. Yeah. <laughs> and then I wanted to kind of touch back on the conversation you had with your mom um, cause I feel like, I think that's such a pivotal point for people. Oh, it was huge. You know, you get your conditioning, you get your fundamental beliefs from your parents. Yeah.
1: Whether you want to or not.
0: And I think <laughs> something I want like people to remember, cause this is what I had to remember to like, it's not like my parents and I never, we never took a break from talking. Like we've always had communication, like always open lines of communication. Um, however, did some topics make them uncomfortable for sure um but I feel like with me talking to my mom whether it was me bringing it up or her bringing it up it was just very evident now that I think about it that her only thing was about protecting me
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah whether that was I don't even think it was like from hell it was just from like pain pain betrayal yeah
1: a hundred percent. And like looking, like I said, like earlier in the conversation, like looking back, I'm grateful for my experience. Like, I'm glad that I saved myself because I did, it did save me from some terrible scenarios I could have had with men, boys, um for sure. So like, I wouldn't go back to change anything about my sexual like practices, like, but I, I wish I just had a different relationship. Like, I wish there was a different intention behind it like save yourself because you want to because for whatever reason other other than like because you're afraid that you are going to be unsuccessful or that god's going to be mad at you or not love you you know what i mean like
0: it's so interesting that it was tied to your success
1: i know I, i because uh for a long time until recently i felt like God's love was transactional. And I think that's taught, right? It's like, if you do this for God, if you pray every day and you read your Bible, then God's going to be happy and he's going to bless you. But that's not true, right? right. Like, and yeah, it God's love is unconditional and it, it's given to us by grace. And that is oftentimes left out of the conversation. Um, and I think there's a book um, that has nothing to do with religion, but it helped me see this point of view of God it's called uh the body is not an apology by Sonia I'm gonna blank on her name but I can't uh, remember the name
0: I haven't even read it but it's it's been on my card oh
1: it's good it's good but there's just something in it that's just like un it's not even like you know self-love it's like radical extreme self-love and I just got to the point of of where I was like God loves us in this way like he knows everything about us he's not going to be unhappy like our there's some behaviors, of course, that he's not happy with, of course, but th- that doesn't mean that he doesn't love us. And I think that also shifted when I had my son, where it's like, there's going to be moments where I'm like, that was really frustrating that you did that. And I really mm-hmm. didn't like that.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: there's no way that I don't love you with all of my freaking being. And I think that just helped illuminate something in me that it's like, he is so, he's such a gracious, he, she, the universe or whatever is so gracious that even when I flip up, fuck up, he's going to use that fuck up for my success in the long run. Like it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't matter. That's, that's too like blase, but I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to perform for God's love. And that is just not what he is asking for. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and so that is part of that's part of the journey of just self-love helps release shame of all kinds is what I was kind of saying before. Totally. Um,
0: and I mean, something interesting actually to differentiate for people, maybe I, i just finished reading daring greatly by Bryn brown which so good oh my god the end of that too with the parenting oh. manifesto was so good she's <laughs> it's making me look forward to like right having kids and stuff yeah. but the definition that she has or like the example let's say uh for like shame and guilt because they're different they're like,
1: very different Ugh, you
0: like guilt can be helpful yeah um and it's not that. So the phrase that she uses is like, "I did a bad thing," right? Yeah. I did a bad thing. Versus is I feel like
1: that person.
0: Exactly. Which is shame. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Right. So I feel like it's just recognizing, like, and not that sex is a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. And I think that's. So we were kind of connecting it, like, why is yeah. sexuality bad?
1: Sexuality isn't bad. Not bad. That's the, the key. <laughs> it's right? not bad. Yeah. I would even, I mean. It took I don't, us an hour and a half to get to the punchline. <laughs> You're welcome, you guys. And it's a night note.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. But it's so funny because kind of okay. So as soon as you feel this self-love and self-appreciation for your own sexuality, like what can that look like? There are so many different ways that you can express it. Yeah. And I feel like um it's funny that you were thinking not funny but interesting that you thought too once you were married you have to have sex to a certain degree and it needs to look a certain way or else again there's like everything's conditional yeah and it's not conditional yeah hopefully no and the in the ideal relationship if you're monogamous right like that doesn't make an impact and um Oh my goodness. My head is going a billion different ways. ways. No, it's so good. It's like this topic is so rich. Um, But I feel like uh, that's another condition and that's another belief pattern that people have. Um, I needed to get rid of that same thing. I thought there's something wrong with me because I was so sexual in another long-term relationship back in the day. I thought that I had to have sex at least four times a week.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that was the, my number two. I was like, Oh, if you're not having sex at least four times a week, then it's not a healthy relationship. You're not a healthy person. And then I was like, oh, there's something wrong with me. My libido is all whacked. I yeah. definitely got off of um, hormonal birth control, which helped, but um there's so many other things where I was like, that's why I went to a therapist. I'm like, there's something wrong with me. Like there was something wrong with me that I thought that there was something wrong with me <laughs> and that I thought there was something wrong with sex. Um, but yeah, I think we need to normalize like sexuality in all its forms, whether it's you want to do it one time a day or one time a month or never, like it's all normal.
0: Right. Right. Normal is a range. And we learned that in grad school.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I am so impressed by your PhD, by the way. Um, Oh, we both have PhDs, but in very different things. Uh, Me and my husband are on this sexual journey together. And we're like, should we go back and get our masters in like human sexuality? Because we just, we are so enthralled by the topic.
0: I mean, I love you guys the fact that you guys are doing that or thinking about it like that together. And I feel like I don't know, I don't think you need to go back and get your masters. I, you could I'm probably not totally audit some classes. I've got plenty of book recs if you need more. Please give me. Give but me. yeah, yeah. There, there are a ton of good resources out there um on sexuality. And if you are curious, as you are listening here, <laughs> head over to my book rec link. Yes. Um, I'll put it in the show notes for a quick link. But yeah, no, it can look so many different ways. And I guess if I'm just going to be super transparent right now, it's like I'm just in the phase of life where my focus has been shifting because we just adopted a dog. Yeah. And she, she's not, I wouldn't say she's high maintenance, but she's
2: definitely, <laughs> she's a little needy. And <laughs> if, if anyone
1: could see the scene right now. They can see the scene.
2: <laughs> oh
0: my God. She's curled up behind me um, and snoring with her throat on the armrest. So, I mean, having a different entity and a different energy in our life, something to take care of. It's a lot more responsibility, which I could it's kind of in a weird way, giving me a flavor for maybe what parenthood can look like. And like you said, children can be breaks. And for me, it's like I think we're only having sex once or twice a week max Mm
2: -hmm. maybe every other
0: yeah and yeah no it feels weird to say that because I feel like maybe the perception too and this is what's so interesting about people sharing on Instagram right like or just having a really public platform or public um, business it's like well yeah you're gonna get to know me personally if you work with me because that's just how I operate um I and it's funny I was really thinking about this earlier it was um Just interesting to note how my transition from like, uh, being even curious about this stuff, like the reason why I got into this was because of my own shit, Mm -hmm. and I just started rereading Hormonal, and she calls it um in the front like me search, and this Mm. is why people take classes in college, right, for their own curiosity. But that's sexuality in college, and I wish I did. I remember being so like, ooh, I want to take it, but it just like I never had the balls or never had the ovaries to to do it, Mm -hmm. and. I wish I would have um
1: I didn't tell my mom I took it until I graduated but I (laughs) did she
0: didn't (laughs) even see (laughs) your (laughs) transcript But yeah like all the all the self-interest like this is why I got into this and this is why I actually don't mind sharing about it because it's all embodied wisdom no and Yeah. I mean, it's obviously it's a practice to be this vulnerable. It's a practice to be open to sharing and that can look so
1: different too. So one other thing, just talking about being vulnerable and sharing and like talking about your normal. So other people feel normal. Like uh, right when I started this journey, um, I was talking to one one of my good friends from grad school about it. And she was talking to me about her sexuality and she's like very open, very sexual. And then I was talking to my other friend from grad school and we both at, um, had kids um, and she was like, yeah, I don't want to have sex right now. I, don't, I have zero desire. And I was like, I felt the mm-hmm. same way. Like, and she, and she's like, well, I thought, I, you know, I felt, I thought I was weird for feeling this way. And I'm like, no, like we're all normal. We all feel this way. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, it just me, just talking about it, like just. I think people think that girls talk about sex a lot maybe they do maybe in certain realms and spheres they do but I think they talk about it in a different way than like I don't want to I do not have the urge to have sex like that's not something that I think women bring up a lot because it's like oh are you okay but then you also don't want to be like I'm so okay all the time I don't know (laughs) so um but yeah it was just so nice to be able to have that conversation because I don't I I don't know how it affected her but it affected me because I was Mm -hmm. like oh the fact that I can talk to somebody else who felt has the same exact feeling about sex right now especially after you have kids just like adopting a dog it's a little different but Mm -hmm. um it's like I just do not have the capacity Mm -hmm. to like even think about it right now right so
0: (laughs) I think that's actually uh an interesting point and something I I ask just to formulate some maybe different perspective for people is especially if they if a woman is postpartum and early stage postpartum. And when I say early stage, I don't just mean the first six weeks before your checkup. I mean a year to three years. Mm-hmm. If you're in those early stages, and especially if you have back-to-back kids. Oh, like. Angels. Angels. Um, Yeah, your sex drive is not going to look the same. Uh, Your capacity is going to be different. And what I'd like to offer to people who maybe. uh are so used to having sex look a certain way and enjoying it with their partner in a certain way, like you kind of, not that you would get into a rut, but like getting into a routine about what it looks like, mm-hmm. no matter how pleasurable that is, what if you could redefine sex for yourself and for your partner
2: mm-hmm.
0: and for your relationship? And what if the sex that you're saying no to or that you're not turned on by is just, it's not the sex you're yeah, being offered. So what do you want?
2: Mm.
0: what would actually feel good and if you open up your definition of sex to like something non-penetrative yeah there can be sexual energy and tension and eroticism attached to anything like including a face massage a scalp massage a back scratch a foot
1: rub yeah yeah (laughs) so many things I love that I think um I think so it's it was a similar question that I think my husband allowed to ask me, which was like, you take control of what you want sexually. Like it it doesn't have to look like what society, religion, whatever says it should look like. You tell me what do you want or what does it look like to you? Or, or ask yourself that. Like, you know, because that question somebody has, has maybe not even thought about. Like, what do I want? What can I? get turned on by um so I I just love that I think that's so great
0: yeah and I think over time right like you end up expanding your capacity especially as a mom it's kind of it's with the territory of being a parent you know you just I mean it's funny I'm like doing a lot of research on stuff and with my business and like making more money and why people have money blocks quote-unquote but uh it was like rephrased differently to like, it's not that you're afraid of money. So let's say like, it's not that you're afraid of, well, I'm not going to put it like that. It's not that you're afraid of money. It's that you're afraid of the responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think in the end, and this is what's so fascinating about sex is that when you do keep that tension alive, however you're doing it, it does create oxytocin. It does create that bond. It creates that Big capacity in your relationship, Mm -hmm. like just love more. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay.
1: It's so funny that you um use the word responsibility when you did because I was gonna I was gonna say this and I was like, nah, we talked about it already. But one of the breaks about being a parent or being a dog owner or being a business owner is responsibility, right? Like part of the pleasure of sex or sexuality or whatever that looks like is the ability to play. And responsibility is like the anticip- antithesis. You got, saying, you got it. You got it. Of play in some scenarios. Right. And so being able to like, and Esther Perel talks about this a lot, but like being able to like have the tether of like being able to like play, but still be tethered and feel like you can come mm-hmm. back or given the space to like explore, mm-hmm. um, but still come back. Um, I think is really important in like allowing yourself to feel safe enough to explore. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I just gave a homework assignment, home play assignment, we'll call it mm-hmm. to one of my clients who hasn't been Uh, sexually intimate with her partner for a little while now and it's something she's wanting to like tread lightly in right and I shared with her the three minute game have you heard of that no so basically you play with a partner and you can set a timer for three minutes and in the end if it's three minutes you're gonna play this question for like um three minutes each so it ends up being 12 minutes long so that is like a kind of a short time to experience something like sexual play or intimacy and um I think it's a bite-sized amount of time yeah for most so the first thing you ask is like how do you want to touch me Mm. and you say what it is right like so I'll let's practice we'll kind of play with it together okay so Jordan how do you want to touch me and you could say
1: I want to touch your shoulder I want to touch your face I want to touch your knee."
0: And then I would sit with that request and I'll say, hmm, like, yeah, touching my shoulder is fine. Touching my face is fine, but don't touch my knee. This is negotiation, right? And you can say, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So timer's on, go for thirty-three minutes, not 30 (laughs) minutes, go for three (laughs) minutes and you do those things. Okay. And I'm in the practice of receiving. Mm -hmm. You're in the practice of giving, Mm -hmm. which it's kind of all the same thing, right? And then we switch it. And then it's me saying, well, how do you want me to touch you? Mm -hmm. And then we do it that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it goes, it's like the you to me and the me Me to to you. you.
1: Yeah. Does that make sense? So it's like, how do you want to touch me? How do you want me to touch you? How do I want you to touch me? And then how do you want me to touch? I just kidding.
2: (laughs) It is so much easier to write that part out. But
1: but I get it. I get what you're saying.
0: Yes. And then the whole thing, right? Like you're practicing in this consent, like actually receiving, actually giving Mm -hmm. without like the taking energy that sometimes can be Mm -hmm. felt in sex or even like the passivity of receiving and not actually like accepting something. Yeah. Like that is energetics like you can feel that when you're in relationship with someone or when you're being intimate with someone so I think that's really important to identify for people who are maybe struggling with exploring that play and having fun
1: or knowing what they want like just being asked like what do you want
0: oh my gosh how many people aren't even asking that
1: 99% I don't know I feel like it's so rare I think because guys feel like well if I ask her what okay we're getting into a kind of different territory here. But um I feel like guys are like, well, if I ask her what she wants, then she will think I'm not good at sex or like she'll think I don't know what I'm doing. Um and but then it's like, no, it's kind of like the opposite. But I feel like they feel like they should come in like as the expert, like the the cowboy who you knows sort how of, to like, I don't know, not to bring the horse reference back in. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, I don't know. I wonder if it they feel like it's um like a hit to their masculinity or something to mm. be like how can I please you mm-hmm. as opposed to them? Like, well, the girl just wants you to know how to please her. And it's like, that's
0: not <sighs> always true. Yeah. Something I had to come to grips with too, for myself, um, is he's not going to know my codes, especially in the first time that you're having sex with someone likely that they're not going to be able to quote unquote, figure you out. Yeah. Unless you give them some direction. And I think maybe that's a condition that, or a line of thought that maybe men can you know redo Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it yeah it shouldn't be a hit to your masculinity and if anything you can be sexy about it like you don't have to be like Like, derpy yeah like (laughs) you don't need to be derpy about it and like be poking and if you really need help and really need Um, some guidance woman's anatomy of arousal is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. And even if you're a woman listening to this, who is with a male partner who might not get your body, um, there's guidance for you to go through your stuff and tips for them, which not going to lie. I've shared those tips with James. Yeah. Why not? why not?
2: I would it's only they to they the share expense share of with, my
1: pleasure. Yeah. Why you would want them to share tips with you. And like, you want to make, you want it to be like this pleasurable experience for both of you guys. Um, so why not? I'm right?
0: constantly asking him questions. Like, I mean, not in an annoying way, yeah. but just like, how does that feel? Yeah, Hello, do, you do you like, you
1: like that? that?
0: Yeah. Do you like that speed? Like, do you want me to go
2: faster, harder?
0: Sexy. Yeah. Just get your sex voice on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I got getting a little too to personal me, here.
1: And also to like circle it back to what you do for a living. But like, I think part of that is knowing what make like knowing what you want. Right. And like a a lot of that is self-exploration and like really understanding yourself and your body and your anatomy anatomy for you Mm -hmm. so that you can help guide somebody because maybe you do want somebody to ask, what do you want? But you wouldn't know how to answer it. Or like, you think, you know what you want. You think like, Oh, I want you to go fast and hard because that's what you see in like porn or whatever. But then Mm -hmm. you're like, I actually don't really like that, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, I don't know. I think that, and understanding your anatomy for yourself and like you said like learning how to make yourself orgasm is just so important because there's no way you can teach somebody else maybe somebody else can teach you but I don't know
0: I mean I've had partners try to teach me before in the past like oh yeah he he told me this one guy he was like oh yeah I got my past girlfriend to orgasm like we can get you to orgasm and it just automatically felt like pressure and it felt like oh, you're trying to figure me out. And I was just so beyond like being there in my body. And yeah, the anatomy piece I think is huge. And again, it comes back to just that radical, not just self-love, but radical responsibility Mm -hmm. of knowing your body. Yeah, And if you, maybe even if you did grow up with religious conditioning or like cultural conditioning, shaming, like I don't know how many people I've actually had in here who have, looked at themselves in the mirror, like look at their vulva, mm-hmm. explored their vagina, felt into their pelvic floor. Like no one really does it until something's wrong. <laughs> and that's fine. But also if you want to feel more connected, if you want to feel more embodied, if you want to feel more empowered, you want to feel confident in all the things yeah. that we're talking about, take a mirror to your vulva, look at it, take a picture of it. I mean, I, I guide people through touch self-touch mm-hmm. whether we're in person or online and that's coming up for anyone listening um, on the nose with when this recording <laughs> comes out but it's um I think it's crazy important
1: yeah it, absolutely just like for your own self-reflection for your own self-empowerment for your own self-love mm-hmm how do you love yourself if you don't even know that part of yourself? Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Part of for me, like language was really big and masturbation wasn't like cool with me for yeah, some reason. Yeah. Like I didn't really, I felt like that was for the boys for some reason in a weird way. Like
1: crude.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so someone said, um, sex lab and as scientists, <laughs> you and I, that yeah. just feels like, okay, I can that deal can with do that.
1: that. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's an it's, it's research. It feels innocent. Yeah, it's research. And the thing about sexuality, most of the time, it can be really innocent. Yeah.
1: It's not it not it's not dirty. It's not bad. Mm. It's scientific research. It's self research. <laughs> Self-exploration. Me search. Yeah. Me search. Yeah. That's
2: actually
0: that would be a cute way to say it. Like, oh, I'm not gonna go master I'm gonna go me search. Yeah. <laughs> search for me. <laughs> search for God. Yeah. I mean, it is so funny that like how how God is so tied into sex and how magical like when you think about all of that and even sexual activity for play is absolutely fantastic in one thing and then sex for even like reproduction is such a miracle yeah i feel
2: like
1: incredible yeah
0: let's just conclude with like sexuality isn't bad it is beautiful it is magical it's spiritual Spiritual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah yeah it is so do you have any last questions any last thoughts no
1: I mean yes of course but it's a never-ending conversation a never ending topic.
0: come back for season two
1: yeah but that, that was really nice thank you for letting me ask you all these questions and hearing your story and well, thank you
0: great. thank you for being here to really facilitate the discussion and sharing your your story yours is huge you've yeah. come so I mean just to let everyone know too how we met <laughs>
1: I mean, it's or like just a stories. weird like connection that before we even met too
0: mm-hmm. yes because i grew up in la as well um jpl had something to do with it both of
1: our parents worked there yes yeah.
0: so but we but actually met in a they don't know each other yeah, yeah yeah we've already checked um we met in a booty yoga class yeah which funnily enough like that class always connected me to that deep sacral
1: sexual energy more sexy than when i'm in that car.
0: you always encouraged me like just by even like being next to you being near you you could feel that mood and that i felt place. like through osmosis all of us got it all of us got that juiciness and felt so good um so shout out to katie caston for thank
2: you bringing <laughs> us together
0: but yay yeah, thanks for being here jordan thank
1: you so much i love your podcast dude thanks
0: you're
1: So good thank you oh, yeah. you're doing good work here blessing people <laughs>
0: bless up (laughs) until next time, guys. Thanks for listening and putting your finger on the Pelvic Pulse podcast. I'm Brittany Ellers. The music for this podcast was created by Just Tech. Please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts by hitting the subscribe button and share it with your loved ones if you found the episode helpful. If you haven't checked out my free womb medicine meditations or phasic community, click the link in the show notes. The meditations and community boards are the perfect place to begin or broaden your connection to your pelvic health, no matter what stage in life you're in. I'd be honored to support you along your journey.